Hello and welcome to Space Chats. I'm Adam Henning, the director of the Space Theatre, and I'm here on Zoom with Ariella and Ziggy from the Mush Moss Collective, who will be presenting UA Cup slash Octopus at the Space from the 14th to the 16th of July. Hello both, how are you? Good, thank you. Lovely to be here. I'm good, thank you. Uh, thanks so much for having us. An absolute pleasure. Great stuff. Well, we will talk about your show shortly, but first I'd like to find out a little bit more about you. So your kind of background and maybe your earliest theatrical experience. Ziggy, do you want to go first? Sure. So I'm a composer, performer, interdisciplinary artist, kind of writer as well. And it's an interesting one for me because I very much do not come from a theatrical background. And most of my kind of theatrical and dramaturgical experiences have stemmed firstly from music and it's recently that I've started doing more interdisciplinary work um, that has kind of led me into where I am now with Mashmas. I guess my my earliest theatrical experience it's difficult to pinpoint. I remember I think when I was 16 seeing Wojciech by Alban Berg, the opera um, and this was before I did any like composition or anything and the way the kind of like the music and the dramaturgy and everything kind of built up to like for reference most of the pieces eternal except for one chord right towards the end and the way that the music built up and the way the dramaturgy built up and this massive d minor chord hit and it just kind of shook me to my core and that was probably the most formative experience that i've had finding the ways that we can kind of build things up and create moments of I don't want to say intensity because not everything has to be intense, but moments of powerfulness in whatever way that can be. And that can be in so many different ways. That can be in kind of vulnerability. That can be in empathy. That can be in kind of like viscerality. It can be in anything. But that's ever since, I think, seeing seeing Wojciech for the first time when I was 16, That that's kind of been something that I've been channeling in my work, both as a composer and then also as a collaborative artist. That's brilliant. And, it, you know, testament to the power of theatre that, you know, you, you were shaken to your core. It's such a brilliant way of describing that experience, I think. How about you, Ariella? My answer is slightly less profound. Um, I was trying to reflect on my first experience of theatre and it was we did in primary school. We were at an Animal Olympics and I was cast as the worm and we had to do high jump. And I kind of, we were all uh, animals who would go up and try to do one of the the <laughs> heats, tests. What are the Olympics? And my line was something like, I can't jump this. I'm just a worm. And I remember. <laughs> and, it was, <laughs> um, and I remember uh, it was like quite obviously I had nothing to do with the content creation <laughs> of that piece. But I think um, the audience loved it. And I remember this huge wave of laughter and I just had no sense about why that had happened. And I think that made me quite curious at the time. And then for many years, I um, wanted to be a writer generally and I read a lot. And then back in my undergrad, I met some people who were theatre people and they were like, you should try to write a play. So I did and it was not very good. And here we are. But, oh, my, my practice as well. I'm, I guess I'm a theatre maker, writer, playwright, just whatever is needed, I suppose. Yeah. Great stuff. I love the idea of a, a worm trying to do the high jump. And uh, it was clearly comedy genius. 
I wish I knew where to give your compliments to. <laughs> I want to ask about you, uh, both of those disciplines a little bit more in terms of how you're how you've developed as both musician and and writer and kind of were there any sort of key things that you've discovered along the way or moments in your career I think that have sort of really helped you I know that's a bit of a rambling question but pick, pick something out of that I guess for me so I also funnily enough came into composition through a pretty unconventional path I used to play in bands and things like that and then ended up doing a master's at Royal Birmingham Conservatoire and they feel like I kind of got in on a whim I kind of chose it on a whim and then got my life completely changed which is really fun so I think first and foremost my two years spent at Birmingham have been incredibly formative especially since one thing and this is probably the most important thing I learned as a composer is that composition isn't just you know sitting in an ivory tower writing notes on a page and then presenting them to some conductor or some orchestra and you know being that kind of solitary figure who sits atop an ivory tower, which is, well, firstly, that that notion is dead. And secondly, that notion is incredibly patriarchal and white supremacist, to put it quite bluntly. And that's not how music was made throughout most of human history. And it's only, you know, in Europe in the past few hundred years that that was the norm. So one thing I learned was there are so many different ways of being a composer that aren't that. And For me, that realization also came around the same time I met a few very key influential figures. So I studied alongside an experimental composer performer called James McElrath. He's now doing a PhD as as the artist in residence for Stan's Cafe. And he also runs a performance series up in Birmingham called A Mock. And his practice pulls together so many different kind of like disciplines and so many different fields. And it sits in this very fun middle ground where you can't really tell what it is. Is it composition? Is it musical performance? Is it improvisation? Is it theatre? Is it comedy? Is it performance art? And if I imagine if you asked somebody about that, the answer would be, it's none of those things and all of those things simultaneously. And that really made me think about kind of like my practice and like what I could do as an artist that wasn't just writing notes and giving them to people. And so I'd also be remiss not to mention Composers like Neil Luck, who does this thing really well. He recently did a performance a few years ago at the London Contemporary Music Festival, um, which I saw the video of and it really just blew me away with what you could do with immersion in particular and like what you can do with an audience in a space. Bear in mind, this this guy also had like he had an orchestra, he had a guitar solo, he had a rock band, he had like a, what's it? I think he had a drag artist as well. And then he also had audio visuals and it was incredible. And then also on top of that, Jennifer Walsh, who's a very well-respected kind of interdisciplinary composer at the moment, who in her work and writings has coined the term, the new discipline to refer to kind of like how you can bring different elements of theatre and performance art into your practice, if your practice is predominantly like as a composer. So I'd say those are probably all my, my key influences for particularly what I'm doing with Mashmos and yeah Ariella I think definitely collaborators have been huge moments but to track back slightly I think in terms of influences on my understanding of how to communicate which is kind of necessarily at the heart of writing and theatre when I was younger I moved to live in Romania and I think when I first moved there 
it was really distinct trying to figure out why people were communicating and how people were communicating and in different languages, in terms of different languages and different languages in terms of ways of communicating things. And I think in the same way, moving to the UK, there's been an experience of that, of trying to figure out how to connect through story or language. So both those things have been incredibly formative. And I think it's a evolving lifetime worth of work, really, because in terms of uh, why you would want to connect with people and how. Yeah, I would definitely say collaborators. Like, for example, conveniently placed Ziggy. Uh, <laughs> working with Ziggy <laughs> has been incredibly influential and has allowed me to develop as an artist because I could take seriously what we wanted to create together and spend time on that. And, and I think just be very excited by what was possible in terms of coming from relatively different practices, but developing a shared language and from the ground up as we worked together, which was incredibly distinct. I think as well, uh, two, uh, there's definitely more influences than this, but I remember uh, Terminus by Mark O'Rourke came to Australia where I was living at the time. And it's three people on stage and, and lyrical and interweaving. And it's this story about this demon flying across this cityscape and these three strangers' lives interconnecting. And that's quite a young person's recollection of the play. So, uh, you know, I probably missed a lot, but that was in it. But I remember being, again, blown away by what was possible through language. And I think in the same way, someone like the playwright Patricia Cornelius being really like reinventing what poetry is and what we pay attention to. So it doesn't need to just be beautiful, high concept or traditional. It Everything is poetry. It's people speaking to each other. It's a way of seeing the world. But yes, I, yeah, I guess I think that's a really great question, to be honest, and not something I'd like to stop reflecting on homework for me <laughs> um it sounds like you both have quite a, a holistic approach i can see already just talking to the two of you while you're working together ariella we've known you for a, a little while and you've had i think you had a piece in the london horror festival a couple of years ago and then i had the honor of directing your work in our two fest this year and i think your work your writing has a real sort of musicality and and lyricism to it in a way is that something that you're conscious of or is that just something that naturally sort of flows from you as you write I think um I think it's definitely flow but this is also I think telling of the collaboration with Ziggy recently I think part of the reason we do have that connection is that oral concern and being able to hear things and the way that kind of creates worlds or uh, layers meaning in different ways and it is also conscious. It's also kind of, um, I find rhythm very visual as well. So it it kind of gives me great pleasure to kind of wander that way around a story. And uh, yeah, so I think it's it's both kind of, as, as most things, it's, it's an expression of a way of seeing the world that has become quite conscious. And then I've luckily been able to connect with someone else who sees the world in that way or hears the world in that way. I think as well, something recently we've been writing together a lot where Ziggy will be playing and I will be writing 
and Ziggy will change the tempo or will change kind of what layers are happening and, and what's at the top of the sound overall in response to my writing and then I respond in my writing and then that kind of feeds back in this really lovely cyclical way and then we'll kind of check in we'll kind of come out of that and check in and say oh you were doing this and I was doing this and we were like yeah 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 (laughs) and that's yeah again that's a that's a real joy I think it's always fascinating when you have a a dialogue between disciplines in that way and yeah the, the sort of almost organic work that can be created through that process is brilliant I'm fascinated by names so can you tell me how the name Mush Moss came about (laughs) it's kind of yeah (laughs) that's kind of my fault Um, because I so it came out of the concept of you wake up octopus in terms of us wanting to be interconnected responsive empathetic and I suppose, yeah, collaborative at the heart of it in, in every way. Again, what does that word mean? You need to kind of uh, drill down into it. But so it's a combination of mushroom and moss. And so with mushrooms, there's the kind of fungal rhizome connection between everything and the kind of, I suppose, different ways of communicating in that sense. And with moss as well, it's, um, it's a collective entity that functions together. I think as well, maybe the, how we're interested in expressing, but, you know, I I really like mushrooms and moss and plants and (laughs) natural elements and those, those things make it into our work. But do you want to speak more about this, Ziggy? Yeah, sure. I mean, what I find really fascinating about this concept of just kind of like using kind of like fungi as like a metaphor for our interconnectedness is the fact that like information essentially or like mycelia are used to like transmit information in from like one radically different or disparate area to another or sometimes in like even larger networks they can even connect to trees and you've got an entire forest communicating to each other or an entire like basically like many many square miles of what is essentially one giant interconnected organism And I think that really taps into the heart of what we're doing in terms of considering how interconnected we all are, how important it is for us as a species, us as artists, that those should be the other way around. Uh, It should be the smaller one than the bigger one. So us, us as artists and us as a species to be able to have this kind of like empathy for each other that I feel can be very lost in our everyday lives. And for me, that's such a powerful sentiment and is very much at the heart of at least kind of like how I perceive our work as it stands. Yeah, it's lovely. I have a bit of a fear of mushrooms after watching The Last of Us TV show. Did you have, did you see that at all? There's a, a horrible, grotesque beauty in, in the concept of the cordyceps. And I mean, I played The Last of Us as a kid and I haven't gotten around to watching the show and yet have ended up watching a load of video essays about the show on YouTube. But there's there's something really, maybe it's just my mind being weird, but it's the kind of like, there's the hive mind of the cordyceps as a species. It's, yeah, as I mentioned, grotesque, but also beautiful. And I guess the word is sublime. It's this kind of thing of like, this interconnectivity is present around us. And if we can't be interconnected, then something else will take over that is interconnected. If anything, that makes it more important for us to be that way. Sorry, Arella, were you going to say something? 
No, I was just enjoying what you said. That's um, is a very interesting insight about the fact that if we're not interconnected, something else will come along. I'm thinking about uh, I haven't played the game and I haven't seen the TV show, though I want to do both. So with the caveat of that, but um, yeah, I think the sublime and I think we kind of section that idea off a lot of the time, but it's at the heart of a lot of our experience. Yeah. So I was just enjoying it. Yeah. Speaking of things being connected, if you do get around to watching the, the TV show, my other podcast, TV DNA at TV DNA pod, we cover it episode by episode. It's a little plug for the TV DNA, which I like to try and sneak into this podcast whenever I can. So thank you for giving me that link. I mean, Ariella, the work you've had on the space before has been, well, horror as part of the London Horror Festival and then a kind of sci-fi. And I want to talk about this piece now. It's, it's described as, as a joyous piece. I mean, I think there was joy in, in the piece that you wrote for Two Fest as well. But is this a sort of different angle or approach for you in terms of a piece? I think it's between so many different things. So it's kind of kind of speculative and it's got, you know, influence from post-humanity and like um, Donna Haraway and it's got a bit of science about octopi mixed with like you know gender studies and feminism and it's got this idea of an archive and it's got LARP and that makes it seem really confused (laughs) but I think I think um, in this particularly we wanted to make sure, because we've both kind of discussed thinking about traditional ways of making work and wanting to reconfigure some of that in the way we collaborate together. And I think this has been something we've set ourselves a challenge. We we didn't want to start with text, even though there was a story at the heart of it. And text is, because it is one of the ways we communicate, it is one of the key kind of pillars. But um, I think that's been really interesting in terms of the synesthesia I'm really interested in language has been kind of at the heart of the piece overall, and that's been incredibly rewarding. But yes, I suppose it feels more freeing in a way because of that, because we've basically said people have to be comfortable. They they have to like understand it. Not they have to, we have to create a space for them to be able to access it and feel comfortable but we don't need to make the kind of literal sense that we're usually concerned with. And yet at the same time, we're re- we've got text and we're repositioning storytelling in pursuit of that experience and in engaging and responding to the, the participants. Um, and we want them to help us build the world. That's the intent. I'm going to pass it over to Ziggy seamlessly. There's something interesting that we were talking about, the idea of having like a participant shaped hole. And I think in a lot of in a lot of like work that we've both created and a lot of kind of traditional mediums, be that in theatre or in music, there's this kind of like almost this pressure to either explain everything or ever explain everything or for all the pieces to be there in terms of interpretation. And for us, and especially for like myself as well, there's... I think there's a boldness in deliberately leaving space to say like to our participants, hey, like we're giving you the space to put yourself into this and to be a part of this world that we've created, that we're giving this sense of control over or facilitating participants to have that sense of control and create a space in which they can add their own things to 
be that in a, a metaphorical sense for themselves or in a physical sense, leaving things behind in a space. Cool. I think we've we're, we've skirted around a little bit of the, the show itself, You Wake Up Octopus. So have you perfected the elevator pitch? Can you tell us what the, what the show is about? Yes, kind of. Um, the thing is like when you're writing applications and you're writing marketing you kind of have to you have to say something um so it's the story of you and you're an octopus particularly one tentacle mind of a whole a collective and you wake up for the first time and you uh, identify that someone's missing and you decide to go look for them And in this current iteration, a lot of that is placed in this idea of an archive. That's a kind of organic, permeable space arranged into what you would describe as a memory tree. So it's this immersive, organic, tangled space where you have memories and ideas and then you can kind of interact and change and add to and repurpose those constructs so but in the first place you're an octopus and you decide to go to space or the edge of the earth because in this world the edge of the earth cascades in a waterfall or you go to the center of the earth and you're you're looking for somebody and you come up against some obstacles of some kind so the heart of it that's what it's about (laughs) (laughs) i love it you know i think this is what really appealed to us when we were looking at the proposals was that this felt like it was going to be quite a unique audience experience. Is that fair? I think so. Yeah. I think, you know, I think we're doing some play tests coming up and that'll be really interesting because as we've said, we've been working really hard on developing language and developing process alongside the work. And it'll be great to see what is rewarding for audience participants. And also like, I I think it will be, I think it will be extremely distinct. And it's also very silly and strange and, you know, other things. And, and you know, Ziggy is going to be truly responding live. We're all going to be responding live to things and we'll keep journeying down that path of making sure that our intent is coming through because it's, we're working in a new way. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask where you were in the process of developing the piece and it sounds like it's going to be quite exciting to get sort of people in to, to test it out and to play with the ideas. What I'm also just finding really interesting about the process from a from my standpoint is that like I'm able to approach this just as much as an improviser as I am as a composer in a way that I've not really been able to do before. You usually I've participated in kind of like free improv jams before and I've like composed kind of like more linear music for theatre before, but I've not really yet had the chance to truly immerse myself in this kind of environment where like I'm able to live respond to things that happen and I'm able to change parameters based on like participant interaction. Uh, That's something that's very new to me and that's something that I'm really, really excited to be able to explore further. Yeah, definitely. No, um, I'm very excited about the show coming to the space in July. Are you working on anything else at the moment? Yes. The piece that you directed, Adam Hythe, that's something that we're taking to Edinburgh with Susie, who's the, we haven't mentioned actually at all. (laughs) Sorry, Susie. (laughs) 
We love you really. We love you a lot. But um, our third collaborator, who's also essential, and we were reflecting on earlier that this this is such a melding of all of our practices. So, yeah. But I think uh, some of the strangeness and style we're taking to assembly at the beginning of August. And in terms of other things, uh, I'm really excited to start writing other things. I'm I'm really excited by all the stuff that I'm working on at the moment. And I think one of the things is that it's confirming of a style that I want to commit myself to more. Yes. So I think that's something on my mind. But uh, Ziggy does about 100 things in a day. So I'll let them speak now. Yeah, I'm many, many spinning plates. Um, but basically just just after our show with you guys in mid-July, I'm going to the States for a um, composer residency as part of the Composers Conference in New Hampshire, which is funded by the From Foundation of Harvard University. And I am deep in the middle of a a composing hole, writing a piece for soprano and large ensemble at the moment, which is scary. I've not really been able to work for that kind of large amount of forces before, and especially not with the limited amount of time I've actually got to put it together. So I'm both very excited, but also quite nervous. And I've also got a piano trio for an ensemble in LA, and then... Yeah, and then I'm incredibly basically just excited to kind of delve into new methods of incorporating kind of like text and voice and like interaction and immersion into my work. I'm very privileged to have been offered a place at the Guild Hall next year. So like we'll see what happens with that as well. So yeah, there's a lot kind of like going on, but at the heart of it for me is the like finding finding new ways to kind of create this sense of radical radical empathy in my work and be able to express express emotions that you know you are might be more difficult to express if you're confined to a particular medium like or if you're con- confined to a particular aesthetic i was just going to add a a kind of funny caveat okay well the two of us are also going to be working on um, kind of kidding out a van and going on a road trip with uh, You Wake Up Octopus and making it a like corporate team building activity because we think that would be really lucrative and, and kind of absurd in a way we'd both enjoy. That sounds amazing. <laughs> are there tickets for the Hive Show in Edinburgh on sale already? I don't think so. Not quite yet. Very soon, though. Oh, actually, before we get to this, uh, tell us a bit more about Susie. Let's give her a bit more space. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's her role in the project and, and, and how do you know Susie? Susie um, is is our friend, is our collaborator, is a director, is a theatre maker, is a facilitator, is very, very interested in lights and works very, again, interdisciplinary with her work and is very visual so I think we, with the three of us, have been working together for years now. And I, I think one of the things that's been really key to me over the years and has made me want to uh, focus more on the three of our collaboration is the fact that I was experiencing the most joy in my projects when I was having discussions with Susie and Ziggy, and I was finding that the most fulfilling. So Susie is, um, yeah, incredible like dreams up these beautiful, strange, wondrous worlds, very magical. Um, She most recently worked on Colossal at Soho Theatre. And I think that piece, uh, one person show, 
about kind of what we learn from relationships and a, a kind of interwoven gig theatre. Um, she worked with her brother on the sound world of that because he's a composer, Sam McDonald, Susan McDonald and Sam McDonald. And uh, but uh, something she also collaborated with Will Hyman. I hope I'm saying his last name correctly because I've only read it. But um, on the lighting design and it was like the performer was moving through an oil painting. And I think that's the thing. She's She's got this incredibly theatrical visual mind. And it's it. I think we all kind of feed off each other. Siggy, do you wanna do you wanna talk about Susie? Yeah, Susie has. She's. I echo everything Ariella says, but particularly Susie has felt very much like a really important tether for me, in terms of like she's able to just pick up like little things that I do and then create this astonishing visual tapestry out of it. And she's done this in many, many different projects that we've we've worked on. And for me, I think that's just so integral, this, this idea of being able to visualize essentially, because I don't necessarily always think in visuals. And having that kind of point of point of information being like, hey, and like we can make it look like this and we can do these things and we can do these things. It's it's been a really important kind of uh connecting strand or a really important piece of the mycelium. Uh so yeah great lovely stuff and um where can people find out more about your either individual or collective work online are you on social media are you have websites that people can go to well we've got actually Ari, i'll let you say the Mashmos website and socials bit i've got a website at zdscomposer.co.uk i've also got an instagram and a twitter and yeah you can find out about all my projects there and ariella well, we've got an Instagram, which we post impenetrable graphical stuff on with no context, <laughs> which I think is kind of exciting. But I've also said that I think we should maybe put our faces in it sometimes. <laughs> um, so it's at Mushmoss. Is it Co or Collective? At Mushmoss Collective. Uh- our Instagram is Mushmos Collective. Our Twitter is Mushmos Co because Twitter has an inexplicable character limit on usernames. Yes, and we've got a website that is just about to be revamped and spread into the world, which is mushmoscollective.com. And yeah, I think at the moment we're, we're most active on Instagram and Twitter. So if you did want to get in touch and hire our corporate van for some team building, that's where to find us. Excellent stuff. Well, we'll pop some links to those in the podcast description so people can access you from there. But thank you so much for doing this. It's been a real joy just listening to you talk about your your work and your process. And I hope there is much more mush moss to come in the future. It's been a delight. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. It's been lovely. So you wake up octopus will be performing at the space from the 14th to the 16th of july and you can book tickets at space.org.uk right now Yay!